Falstaff. 12 Miles to Falstaff by Ian Hink. A night like all the rest. Cold, dark, filled with strange wonders that most people don't notice. Phil is driving along County Road H, and suddenly there seems to be a problem with his 1995 Mazda Coupe. Aw, oh, man. Phil tries his best to get the car running again, but to no avail. He gets out of the car and looks around. Where the hell am I? He begins walking down the road, and it isn't long before he has his answer. An old green road sign which tells him 12 miles to Falstaff. Okay, here we go. Phil walks and walks. He walks until he thinks his puddingtons might fall apart. And he walks some more. By the time he sees the city lights, it's well past midnight. And by the time he hits Main Street, it's well past one. Phil looks around trying to get his bearings. He sees a bicyclist approaching down the dark street. Oh, excuse me! Mechanics closed! You have to stay at the motel back that way! And then she was gone, slipping into the thick night occupying the end of the street. How did she... Well, a clean bed sounds good. I guess I'll have to find the mechanic tomorrow. The motel is clean enough, at least judging from the lobby, and the art on the walls is maybe even a cut above your average unoffensive motel wall art. Maybe not a bad place to kick up your heels after a long and inconvenient day. Gah! Wh where the hell I leave that thing? It's just right here. An old alarm clock goes off, and the front desk man taps it off without looking at it. Without looking up, he says... Car trouble? Uh, oh, uh, yes. How did you... A hunch. Hmm. What were you looking for? <laughs> I was looking for my sandwich. It's right here, now it's missing. Never happened before. Usually I'm very particular. Never lose things. Forget where they are. It's a gift. Sounds like a good gift. Can't complain. Maybe you already ate it. Well, ha, that, you know, that'd be something. So we got one room. It's a single. It's clean. It's a good room. Decent bed. Just don't use the closet. Why not? Broken. How can a closet break? When you can't put things in it. Trust me on this one. Just don't open the closet. Fair enough. How much for the room? Tell you what, it's on the house. What? Uh, no, no, that's not necessary. Seems like you've had a rough night, Phil. Yeah, well, you got that right. Here you go. Sleep tight. Thanks very much. Uh, holler if you need anything. Will do. Phil started off toward his room. The man at the desk was right. It had been a hell of a day. Phil looked forward to getting off his aching feet. Wait. Had the front desk man known his name? Had he called him Phil? He didn't remember telling him his name. He turned around... Um, excuse... But the man at the desk was back to looking for his missing sandwich. Probably nothing, Phil thinks. Probably nothing. And he says it out loud too, apparently. The hallway to the rooms is a little creepier than it probably needs to be. Replace a few burned out bulbs, vacuum the floor, and it'd be right as rain. But as it is, it's an uncomfortable place linking an otherwise pleasant lobby to what Phil hopes will be a pleasant room. Phil goes in, turns on the light. A standard motel room greets him. To Phil, it looks like paradise. He flops down on the bed and lets out a big sigh. A bump on the wall. Certainly one of the other patrons adjusting in their sleep. Phil opens his eyes. That noise sounds a little closer. In the room close. No, no, you're just overtired, Philo, pal. Just the light sleeper next door, nothing to worry about. <laughs> Poor soul, she's crying. 
Guess I'm not the only one having a bad day. He shuts his eyes and rolls over. The bed feels like a thousand cloudy hands ready to carry him off to sleep. These walls must be paper thin. Our Father, who art in heaven. Very paper thin. Hallowed be thy name. Thinner than a closet door. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Phil sits up in bed. The closet door has an out-of-order sign on it. And forgive us. Hello? No. Certainly there is no one in the room, just someone saying their nightly prayers. Nothing to be worried about. Hello? Uh, who's there? It's me, Charlotte. In the closet? What? I'm in the closet. Charlotte. What are you doing in the closet? I can't leave. Why not? Look, if we're going to talk, we could at least talk face to face. Uh... I'm not a monster or something. I just can't leave this closet. Open the door, at least. It'd be the polite thing to do. But... but this is... Your room. Well, I was here first. And it's not like you're paying for it. How'd you know that? Are you going to open this door or not? Bill stands up, hesitates, wipes his brow, hesitates some more. It's fine. Don't worry. <sighs> okay. Hi. Uh, hello. Charlotte. Phil. Hi. Look, I don't need to eat up a lot of your time. I know you're tired and just want to sleep. God knows you could use it. Do I look that bad? No, you look fine. You look quite good, actually. Oh, thanks. So here's the deal. I can't leave this closet. I I'm sorry that I disturbed you. I guess, I guess I wanted to talk. But I know you're tired. It's nice to see you, that's all. Um, well, I'm gonna cut to the chase. I can't leave this closet because if I do, I'll start on fire. I know that sounds crazy, and maybe I am, but I just know it. I know it more than I've ever known anything. How? I just do. I got this room a long time ago, and I was hanging up a shirt. I dropped it, and I stepped in to pick it up, and it just hit me. If I ever came out of here, I'd burn to death. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, if you could, if you came out, I could put you out if you start on fire. <laughs> what? It seems reasonable. It's... It's just you've never... Well, no one's ever offered that before. In that way, that, that's very sweet of you. But I'm sad to say I don't know if that would work. I think you might burn too, I can't risk that. I don't know, I could get a bucket or something. Listen, Phil, I'll spare you the time. I'm not coming out of here. Not tonight. Maybe never. I don't want to ruin your night's sleep though. I promise you don't have to worry about me. I'm not like a psycho killer or anything. Um... Trust me. It's fine. You can go to sleep. Thanks for talking with me, though. You're welcome. Can you swing the door a little closer? Oh, sure. Thanks. Good night, Phil. Good night, Charlotte. Um... Phil stands there, unsure what to do. What does one do when there is a strange woman in the closet of your motel room? Well, tell the front desk man, he supposes. You opened the closet, huh? Well, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I told you it was out of order. Out of order is a little different than there's a lady living in there. That's true, that's true. But when I say that, it just makes everything all complicated. Can't you make her leave? Well, no, she'll burst into flames. What do you take me for, some kind of a monster? You don't really think that she would do that, do you? Would you take the chance? Uh. Uh, let's say I go in there and drag her out of the closet, she bursts into flames, I'm not going to be able to live with myself. So I just slap the old out-of-order sign on there and she lives her life, I live mine. 
I suppose. Yeah, don't worry, she's harmless. She's not coming out of there, so you can rest easy. Go back to your room, you're exhausted, drink some water, lay around for a while, and eventually you'll fall asleep. No sweat. Maybe someday you'll come back and she'll be gone. But today's not that day. Sorry for the inconvenience. It's pretty clear that nothing Phil says will sway the guy. And he's right, he is exhausted. Okay, sorry to bother you. No bother, friend. Sleep well. Thanks. Oh, did you find your sandwich? Nope. Must have fallen into another dimension or something. <laughs> Must have. Good night. Night. Phil gets back to his room. Eyes the closet door. No sounds from within. Maybe she's asleep. He has a glass of water from the bathroom tap. He lays down, and what do you know, after exactly a while, he falls asleep. Next morning, he gets up, feeling like he hasn't gotten a good night's sleep in months, maybe years. He looks at the closet door. Better to just leave her be, perhaps. Phil just wants to get to the mechanic and get out of this crazy town. Morning, friend. Sleep all right, considering? Yeah, I suppose so. Glad to hear it. The mechanic is out the front door, left, down three blocks, the way he came last night. Oh, thanks. My pleasure. See you again soon. Bye. Bye. Phil goes out the front door, takes a left. After three blocks, he finds the mechanic. There's a sign on the door that says, Closed Friday, Family Emergency, Sorry. Oh, man. Phil is about to leave, but he looks down and sees a red gas can and a wrench. There's a note taped to the gas can. Phil is written on the paper. What the hell? Phil, sorry, had to go out of town to help my dad, but here's everything you need to fix your car. It's mostly just out of gas, but you should probably tighten the bolt on the left side under the hood on the thing that looks like this. There's a drawing of some kind of complicated looking car thing. You can do it. See you soon, Buck. What the hell? Phil looks around up the street like someone does when they think someone is playing some kind of trick on them. He doesn't see anyone or any good bushes to hide in. Well, okay. He walks, he walks, and walks. Now he thinks his puddingtons are looking really haggard, and they feel even worse than they look as they clump and click on the long, hot pavement of County Road H. He walks until nightfall. Finally, he arrives at his poor old car, puts in the gas, tightens the bolt, and gives it a try. Here goes nothing. The car starts without a hitch. Oh, thank God. Thank him all you want, Phil. God's got nothing to do with it. Phil has never felt better to be on the move. Soon he'll arrive home, kiss Nancy, and everything will be all right. Phil thinks this is a good night. A night like all the rest, cold, dark, filled with strange wonders that most people don't notice. Phil is driving along County Road H, and suddenly there seems to be a problem with his 1995 Mazda Coupe. Oh, man. Phil tries his best to get the car running again, but to no avail. He gets out of the car and looks around. Where the hell am I? He begins walking down the road and it isn't long before he has his answer. An old green road sign which tells him 12 miles to Falstaff. That's the end of <laughs> Sad's Cabs by Ian Hink. Hi, can you take me to Maine in 60 seconds? Uh, no, I'm sorry. What? No, I, I can't. You can't? No. Ah, uh, I guess I should stop pausing at this point to wait for people to ask why and just go right ahead and explain it. This is a common problem? Oh, all the time, yeah. See, this cab can't take you where you want to go. Is it broken or something? Mm, sort of. I think it's more like a curse. 
A curse. Yeah, this cab can only take you where you don't want to go. You're shitting me. <laughs> I wish I were. It's great for if you have to go to the doctor or like the court or something. But anytime you actually want to go where you're headed, this baby just jams right up. How do you make any money? I don't, really. Then why don't you get a different cab or a different job or something? Oh, hey, I'd love to, but that's just the problem. It applies to me, too. Anytime I want to go anywhere, I end up driving someplace else. I haven't seen my girlfriend in three weeks. I can't sell this cab, can't get it somewhere for someone to pick it up. Uh, luckily, I figured out how to get food delivered to the cab that's slowly rolling down the street, and you don't want to know how I figured out to go to the bathroom. You're right. So, uh, is there anywhere you don't want to go? Actually, yeah. I don't really want to go to Maine in 62nd. Oh, then you've come to the right place. <laughs> Man Down in Falstaff by Don Casanova. I slow to a stop. A big, fat, shining chrome bumper parked in front of me. I know the owners uh, instantly. The bright yellow paint job, big logo on the trunk hood, SADS Yellow Cab Co. Come on, what's the hold up this time? The cab is parked dead center in the middle of the lane. We're running parallel to Park Plaza with the Statue of the Twins. Middle of the day like this, hot summer afternoon, almost all the curbside parking will be full and I can't get around with the oncoming traffic crawl. Come on, move it, turd! Inside, the cab driver is turned around to the passenger, engaged in an exchange that looks like a disagreement. I pump the gas. Move it, you damn fools! People got places to be! Finally, the jerk puts his cab in gear and rolls forward, pulling into a tight curbside parking spot, his tail sticking out just enough for me to squeak by. Oh, screw you, pal. Don't beep at me. Finally moving again. These damn streets are so crowded and blocked up. You can never get where you want to go fast enough. Oh, now what? Another intersection jammed up. It'll take me five minutes to get through. Hey. I'll just cut through this parking lot, cut up the alley in the back, come back up ahead. Should be a breeze. I know the shortcut because I took it before. I lived in this neighborhood with Diane, a little Chinese grocery store. Same woman would always be at the register. Diane would walk to the place and buy weird household items like those little metal strainers for the sink drain to catch food. Parking lot always cluttered with cars, but the back alley will be clear. Now what? front end of a polished champagne-colored Cadillac lurches out, cutting in front of me from a parking spot. I've had it with these damn... I lock vision with the driver, a strange look in his eyes. His hair hangs in two thick braids on the sides of his head. There's nothing feminine about him. He has a mean mouth. There's a passenger. Hey, you wait! You stop! The woman from the counter, the one that always was at the Chinese grocery, is running across the small lot. Stop! She arrives at the Cadillac in an instant, grasping the locked door handle and tugging on it. The car driver twists the wheel away from me rapidly, accelerating at a sharp angle. Pulling away, the woman running alongside the vehicle, tugging hopelessly at the silver chrome door stop, handle. Stop, please! The car is headed for the back alley, turning away from the lot into my shortcut. The woman stands, gasping. I have to make a decision quick or they're going to be gone for good. I squish down the gas pedal, lurching forward. Rounding the corner into the alley, the Cadillac is racing away up ahead. But I've got a lock on them. Did they rob the place? Did they steal the grocery woman's car? The man with the braided hair had a rather calm look on his face. Now they are in a rush. That must be the car they've stolen. I've got to help her. The car speeds along up ahead through the alley, kicking up newspaper pages and empty chip bags in its wake. 
Turning out into traffic of the boulevard up ahead, I cut into the lane of traffic after them, only four cars back, nervous adrenaline spreading through my body and locking up my lower back. I grip the wheel with my half-trembling left hand and dig into my pocket with my right, pulling out the rectangular piece of stone that is my cell phone, nervously pressing three digits. Falstaff 911, do you have an emergency? Yes, I'm following someone who's committed a crime in the Chinese grocery store on Norman and Geary. There is a woman trying to stop this car from getting away. I don't know, uh, but I think they may have stolen this woman's car. I'm just following the people right now. We're going northbound on Norman Avenue, just about three blocks past Geary. Okay, uh, and you're in a vehicle behind them? Yes. Uh, what kind of vehicle are they in? It's a champagne-colored Cadillac. Champagne? Like a light, sparkly beige color. Traffic is slowing up ahead in the left lanes. They merge into the faster-moving right lane. I follow suit quickly, cutting off the car just behind and next to me. Do they know I'm following them? I'll try to stay back far enough if I can. Last thing I want is them to take off on me. Right now, it's just a brisk pace, manageable till the cop cruiser arrives. And how many of them are there? Two. One driver, one passenger. Can you describe them? Yes, look, I don't want them to get away. We're crossing Valiant Parkway, still northbound. Is the cruiser on the way? Yes. Sir, I need to give our patrol officer a description of the suspects. The driver had a light complexion. He has his hair in two braids. I couldn't make out the passenger. Is the passenger male or female? I can't tell. There are about four cars up ahead. Traffic is going to open up in a minute. I don't want them to get away. I mean, should I be following them? If you feel you're in danger, sir, you should not pursue them. Okay, I'm um, all right. Just uh, get the cruiser here. And what is your name, sir? Sai Man, S-Y-M-A-N-N. And what's your current location? We're northbound on Norman. Oh, great, it looks like, yeah. They're turning onto County Road H, headed west towards Puddington's. Okay, sir, please hold. I'm going to reach the patrol officer in the area. I turn onto County Road H after them. How fast would the cruiser get here? What would happen then? They'd surely be arrested. Maybe a news van might get there and might even want me to answer a few questions about my heroics. How funny is that? I guess it's true what they say about being a hero. Nothing but the right place at the right time and the right reaction. I might say something like that to the news people. I wish I'd worn a nicer shirt. The car between us had turned out without me even noticing. Now it was just them and I. The late summer sun glaring straight into my windshield, the speedometer rising. All right, sir, I've got a patrol officer in the area. He's trying to catch up with you. Can you give me your current position? County Road H. We'll be coming up on Destiny Park and the highway entrance in a minute. If he gets on the highway, I'm not sure I'll be able to keep up. All right, sir, we don't want to put yourself into any danger. I'm fine. Just please hurry. I'll update the patrol officer. Stand by, please. He must know I'm following them now. We're the only two cars out on this road, going at least 20 miles over the speed limit now, riding alongside the thickly wooded Destiny Park. Wait, he's braking, pumping the brakes, and turning into a small road cutting through Destiny Park. I turn in after him. Our cars are plunged into the deep shadows of the redwood trees. I remember this place. I haven't driven through here in years, not since I was with Diane. We would come here together when it would snow. The skin on her face would be pale in the cold air. We'd have winter picnics, that was her idea. Sprawl out a waterproof sleeping bag, drink hot cocoa from a thermos. I always couldn't wait to get in the car and turn on the heater and be back headed home to our house, away from that cold, dark park. The car comes to a stop on the dirt road and I slide to a stop also. A dust cloud from my car sweeps forward engulfing and passing their car. The driver's eyes meet mine in his rearview mirror. They don't know who I am. They don't know if they should be afraid of me, right? I hope so. Their car tears off fast now. 
I stomp the accelerator, tearing after them. There's a thick cloud of dust being kicked up. I'm pressing the stone tablet to my sweaty face, but I hear nothing. Hello? Hello, are you there, operator? Hello? I don't know when I lost the signal. How far back? She must have my number and will call back. Or I'll call again when there's a safe moment, when I'm not speeding ahead through this dust cloud, ascending from the thick woods into the hillside neighborhood. I'm drifting around the wide, curving road through this terraced neighborhood, easing up from them. The dust cloud left in their wake is not so thick now. I can see I've given up on this dangerous pursuit. What am I thinking? The best I can do right now is stay in their general path and help the police locate them. After all, they know I'm following them now. I wouldn't actually apprehend them if they confronted me. What could I do then? Hello? This is the emergency operator, sir. You're in a weak signal zone. We were cut off. Yes, well, I'm still in pursuit. I've lost my visual on them, but I'm following their dust trail. I think sir, we're on... Sir, please relax, sir. I'm, I'll ask you to stop the pursuit. Stop the pursuit? Did the officer cut him off up ahead? We've spoken to the victim. Anne at the grocery. Anne? I'd never known her name, but probably bought a hundred packs of smokes and two dozen Cokes from her over the years. The victim, sir. The people in the vehicle you are following are suspected of check fraud, passing a bad check at the grocery, sir. Check fraud? That's what Anne would frantically run across the parking lot for? Yes, sir. It's a fairly minor misdemeanor. We appreciate your vigilance, but ask you to end the pursuit for safety's sake. Do you at least want to know my location? It's fine, sir. We'll issue a warrant. It'll be caught in a matter of time. Well, thanks, I guess. Thank you, sir. Slowing my car around the bend. I'm way the hell up here. I must be late as hell. What time is it? A vacant lot comes into view. I pull over. I step out, walking towards the vacant lot with the panoramic view. I remember this place. I've been here before. Diane and I would park that Nissan at the curb and come up here to look at the city. Falstaff. We'd get together the summer after high school ended. We'd pass in the halls and smile and say hi occasionally, get stuck together at the same bus stop where we'd have a chance to be together. It wasn't until after that we were away from our opposite cliques we got together. It's a random encounter. We would come to this very vacant lot. It was something to do as a date. Now look at the same portrait of city spread out across the valley. Is that what this whole silly diversion was fated to be? Not some random heroic encounter where I chase down and bust some robbers. A reminder of things I don't have time to think of anymore. To be reminded that there are still pretty views in the city that has changed so much since the days of Diane and I. I turn around. What the hell is this? It's the car. The damn car that... Hey there. I want to talk to you. Face has no expression, a blank countenance. The braids hang in slow motion. I immediately turn, stepping forward. The hill falls off in a rocky drop, with a twisted chain-link fence running through. There's no way down. Turning back, they're closing fast. Said we wanted to talk to you. Oh yeah? About what? About God. Walking right up to me, these guys were only wanted for check fraud. How could such a petty charge inspire violence? It couldn't, right? God? With blank eyes, he closes quickly, swinging a fist. I duck. It glances across the back of my head. A foot from his buddy crushes into the back of my thigh. I spin and turn, stumbling back. The cliff, stopping. I find balance. I will have to fight. Something cold and so incredibly hard hits the back of my head. Stars and black night. I hadn't been in an actual physical fight with an opponent since grade school. Those weren't so much fights as grappling matches. Wait one moment. I remember fighting with Diane. Stars dissolve in my vision. I'm on my knees looking at the dirt. Check fraud. A minor misdemeanor. There isn't even a patrol guy look up, up here looking for me, and the strikes are coming fast and from every direction. This is the first true full beating I'll have had in my life, but that's all right. 
Through swelling and dust, I see braids pulling free a piece of piping from the crumbling link fence. They wouldn't kill a man for check fraud. My body feels broken. I have no escape. Braids raises the pipe and swings down. Do you hear that? Do you see that? Floating above Falstaff? Tiny sparkling points of light from the water tower far to the west to the financial cluster of buildings, thousands upon thousands, hovering above the cityscape. I can't feel my body but those bells. There are so many things I never noticed or took the time to think about in a rush to complete so many tasks all the time. Does Falstaff have guardian angels? Wait, I do feel my body. Two great patches of back burning like hot irons being pressed into my shoulder blades. Am I growing wings? Or is that my rib cage passing through my back skin? My vision rolls to the sky, and there is the answer. In the blue sky above me, a boiling pattern burns into the sky. Like on Easter, in the egg coloring fluid, you get a swirl of colors. It looks like that, burning a pattern of swirled colors into the blue sky. The shape of two angel wings. What's the matter, friend? Feet got you down? Oh, do they ever. Dogs barking? They sure are. Then have we got the shoes for you. Puddington's Fine Leather Shoes has the best walk in town. But what if, say, I've only got seven toes? Well, have no fear. Puddington's Fine Leather Shoes has a pair just for you. With our new Abnormal Piggies line, we've got a fit no matter if you stop at roast beef or go wee, wee, wee all the way home. (laughs) Wow! Thanks, Puddingtons. Puddingtons Fine Leather Shoes. Why walk a mile in someone else's shoes when you could walk it in ours? Thanksgiving at Aunt Mildred's by Ian Hink. Thanksgiving at Aunt Mildred's house. Oh, my little Petey, are you grown? Charles! Charles! Petey is here! Oh, and you brought some wine. What a lovely bottle carrier that is. We'll have to have a toast later. (laughs) Hi, Auntie Mildred. Oh, now you don't have to be so formal. You can call me Auntie Mildred. He did call you Auntie Mildred, you old bat. Hey there, Slugger. How's the tax game? Oh, I, uh, I actually don't work in taxes, Uncle Charles, but not too far off. My job is still a drag. I work in corporate finance. (gasps) Oh, oh dear. Peter, you you didn't know that Cousin Susan's late husband worked in corporate finance? He died, tragically, last spring. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sometimes I can still hear his calculator as I ascend the stairs. Oh, Oh, uh, I'm... Uh, don't worry about her. She just misses him, that's all. Hell of a guy, that old husband of hers. She knows you didn't mean anything by it. Thanks, Uncle Charles. I'm not even sure what I said. Perish the thought, my dear. Perish the thought. So tell me, do you have any love in your life, dear Petey? Well, I was seeing someone, but to be perfectly frank, recently it's turned into a bit of a train wreck. Oh! Oh, dear. Oh, now, Cousin Ronnie, he didn't mean anything by it, did you, Peter? Mean anything by what? My life partner, Mimi, who I love more than life itself. She was recently killed in a horrible train wreck. Oh, my God. You leave him out of this! God? Cousin Ron doesn't like to hear about God, not since what happened in Venezuela. What happened in Venezuela? <gasps> oh, now, Cousin Mary, it's okay. 
Cousin Peter doesn't seem to be up on current family affairs. You see, dear Petey, Cousin Mary and Cousin Ron's dear friend Samson was recently struck by lightning while hang gliding in Venezuela. <laughs> the insurance company said... <gasps> They said it was an act of God! So, needless to say, they're not too hot on the big guy upstairs right now. I see. Uh, I'm sorry to both of you. I meant no offense. Oh, better not use the O word around Uncle Greg. Offense? Can't you just let it lie, man? Jesus! Uh... You see, your dear old Uncle Greg here roots for the old Buzzhawks, and well, their offense, it just hasn't been great for a while. Hasn't been great? It's been in a dump since last season. But don't you worry, Charlie, my old man. They're gonna pull it back together. Don't you worry. Don't let sniveling unbelievers like what's-his-name over Peter. here. Sniveling little runts like Peter here ruin your faith. Those hawks will be buzzing again in no time. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, Charlie, old boy. I'll go, Buzz Hawks! Nobody's had the heart to tell them the team's been disbanded for 20 years now. Yikes. Uh, but anyway, dear Petey, what have you been doing lately? Aunt Cindy says you you had jury duty recently? Oh yeah, jury duty. Man, civil case, really boring. Made me want to gouge my eyes no. out. Oh no, what did I say? No, Peter, dear, dear Peter, I'm sure you remember that poor old Uncle Charles' high school gym teacher gouged out his own eyes during class right in front of your Uncle Charles here? What? I didn't know that. That's horrible. No, no, he was right to do it. There had just been too much horseplay. He, he warned us. He said he would do it, but he just kept up the horseplay. I can still remember the taste of his collar. Ocular fluid in my mouth must have sprayed 15 feet. Jesus Christ, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Peter! You know your dear shepherd Uncle Stan lost his herd last week? No, I... No eyes? No, no, I... Peter! I'm not saying eyes like in eyes. I'm saying I as in me. Me! Me, me! Not, not me, me. I'm sorry. Peter, maybe we just better have that toast now, huh? Take out the wine you brought. What, what is it? Oh, it's a Riesling. Gross! <gasps> Peter, I think you better leave. In 12 Miles to Falstaff, the narrator was played by Douglas Thornton, Phil by Ian Hink, Bicyclist and Charlotte by Maggie Blake, and Front Desk Man by Ed Krasnick. In Sad's Cabs, Mary was played by Elise Willems, and Jake Sad by Douglas Thornton. In Man Down in Falstaff, Cy Mann was played by Don Casanova, and by Maggie Blake, Operator by Madeline Wager, and Braids by Douglas Thornton. In Puddington Shoes commercial, Madeline Wager was the woman, and the narrator was Douglas Thornton. In Thanksgiving at Aunt Mildred's, the narrator, Cousin Ron, Uncle Greg, and Uncle Stan were played by Douglas Thornton. Aunt Mildred by Madeline Wager, Peter by Ian Hink, Uncle Charles by Ed Krasdick, Cousin Susan by Elise Willems, and Cousin Mary by Maggie Blake. 12 Miles to Falstaff, Sad's Cabs, Puddington Shoes Commercial, and Thanksgiving at Aunt Mildred's were written by Ian Hink, with many story elements by Falstaff City Council. Man Down in Falstaff was written by Don Casanova. Recording and sound effects operation by Omar de Armas, recorded at wonderful Glitch City in beautiful Los Angeles. Please visit us at the web at falstaff.com, that's F-A-H-L-S-T-A-F-F.com, where you can find episodes, full credits, and an interactive map of our wonderful city. Thank you for joining us, and we can't wait for the next time when we see you in Falstaff. Thanks for coming, everybody.